Hello, Marvelites, and welcome to Episode 7 of This Week in Marvel, presented by Marvel. I am Agent M, Marvel.com Editorial Director Ryan Panagos, and I am joined by a full house this week. Guys, go around the room, introduce yourself, starting with Ben. Hey, everyone. Uh, Marvel.com Associate Editor Ben Morris, coming from my estate in palatial Saddlebrook, New Jersey. Excited to be here with you. Hey, guys. I'm John Tancredi here. And um, the the web editorial intern for Marvel, coming to you live from Long Island, New York. And I am uh, Mark Strom, a.k.a. Stromy, Marvel.com assistant editor, coming to you from uh, Marvel headquarters in Los Angeles. If you guys are just tuning into This Week in Marvel, it's our weekly podcast about all things Marvel. We cover news, we cover um, comics on sale this week, digital comics, we cover new video game releases, movie stuff, what's on TV, all kinds of stuff. And we start with the new comics on sale. So, um, Ben, why don't we start with you with the with the Avengers 1959 number four. Yes, Avengers 1959 number four, the penultimate installment of this limited series written and uh, drawn by Howard Chaikin, the great Howard Chaikin, colors by Jesus Abertov. Um, basically, we've covered this comic a few times, but it's uh, Nick Fury and his team of proto-Avengers, uh, such as Sabretooth, Craven, Namora, Dominic Fortune, and the Blonde Phantom, trying to take down, in the days after World War II, a conspiracy within the U.S. government. There's uh, mysticism involved. There's some really cool Easter eggs in this issue. They go to Madripoor. Uh, Sabretooth gets to do some neat stuff. More than anything, though, my favorite thing about this book is just, like, what a fantastic roster that is. Um, I remember when they were in New Avengers and we saw the Mike Diodato cover. Like, you know, Fury's cool enough, but just this this team that has Sabretooth and Craven alone um, is a dynamite team. You throw in the Mora, now you got Blonde Phantom. Dominic Fortune I don't know much about, but he kind of comes off as, like, you know, the James Bond, do what he needs to do, spy type. Um it's very cool. It's a very it's a very dense book. A lot of there's mystic elements. There is political elements. There's a lot going on. Uh, really fun art by Howard Chaikin. This is kind of right within his wheelhouse, drawing manly men and uh, women in scarce clothing. So, you know, it's like what Howard Chaikin loves to do. There was an odd pause there. It was almost like you said manly men and women, as if well, the women were manly as well, but they're not. Well, no, it was actually it was actually my wife walked into the room after I said manly men, so I had to phrase the, uh, <laughs> the women in scarce clothing thing delicately. But I, I, she left, so you know we're back, we're awesome. back to no rules. But yeah, uh, fourth issue of Avengers nineteen fifty nine. One more to go. Awesome. Uh, also up next and available this week, Avengers Academy number twenty three. Uh, big issue for everyone who's an X twenty three fan, such as myself, and I'm sure everyone on this podcast. She joins the uh, Avengers Academy, and it's it's not very like cut and dry as to what's going on, but she gets introduced, and it starts off with this great moment with her and um, and Tigra, and they're fighting, and it's it's bloody and it's crazy, and then it's like, hey, that was great. You're gonna fit in really well. It's uh, we've talked about this book before. Christos Gage is just doing a, a whiz bang job on the book, and that's not even you know. There, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this issue. You've got some stuff based on the cliffhanger from the last issue with this uh, this future reality that could come into play and what how that affects the characters that are um, interacting in the book right now. And then a big revelation for one of the major characters, one of the kids who's been in the book since the beginning. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff going on. 
Um, it's a it's it's a bummer because it's the last issue where we'll see Tom Rainey's great art on the series. Um, but coming up, starting next issue, uh, we've got Tom Grummet. So that's something to look forward to. But Rainey goes out with a bang with some really cool stuff, uh, a great fight scene, and um, another excellent issue of Avengers Academy. And uh, we've also got Avengers Extinction number one, which is by Jeff Loeb and Ed McInnes. And this is really the big uh, kickoff or uh, first shot that leads up to Avengers versus X-Men, which we talked about a lot last week. But, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Loeb and McGinnis' like uh, Hulk run or anything else, you know they do big, bombastic, fun action stories like no one else. Uh, and you get more of the same here. You get the Avengers fighting this sort of strange group of villains that includes whirlwind which i always appreciate because i was a huge fan of the uh avengers arcade game back in the 90s that had whirlwind in it was it just the uh, avengers arcade game it's captain america and the avengers captain america and the avengers arcade game and they roll around it's, their little it's, uh, air it's bikes. not really a strange group of villains strong it's the lethal legion which is a uh, classic group of avengers villains they're they're pretty much an institution no, I, it's the Lethal Legion, but it's, it's a weird... It, okay. They're uh, the X-Men of the villain world without being the X-Men of the villain world at all. If uh, you understand my meaning. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> and also, in this, Cable is back, uh, and he's going after the Avengers, and you find out why in this issue, and I just love the way that Loeb... Uh, writes Cable in this. Uh, he gives him a very clear motivation, a uh, very relatable motivation for why he's doing what he's doing. Um, yeah, it's got a very strong emotional core to it, along with all the uh, huge explosive panels that Ed McGinnis gets to draw. Before we move on to Battle Scars, uh, Strami, you omitted a major part of X Sanction, which is blacksmith um if you're any Uh sort of cable fan who's been reading cable for the last 20 years you will know who blacksmith is and he's in this book and i actually squealed when i saw him because he's blacksmith and he's in this book and he's drawn by ed mcginnis enough said it's worth noting it's of course spelled blacksmith b-l-a-q-u-e smith not traditional well i mean but obvious it's obvious right it's blacksmith The correct, the correct spelling of blacksmith. I yeah, totally. But uh, yeah. he's not a member of the Lethal Legion. Oh, Strami, you're cutting out there. That's too bad. Um, anyways, moving on across the Marvel Universe, uh, we have Battle Scars number two, continuing this limited series by Chris Yost, drawn by the great Scott Eaton. Um, we ended last issue with the question, who is Marcus Johnson? We open and continue this issue with the question, who is Marcus Johnson? Uh, Marcus Johnson is the lead character of this book. He's uh, seemingly just a, a, I had to say to say normal guy because he's a, he's a U.S. soldier who just got back from Afghanistan, was brought back because his mother, a civilian, was killed under mysterious means. Uh, he tangled a taskmaster in the first issue, and then this issue, Captain America comes into play basically to save Marcus, but... Cap and Taskmaster end up throwing down. It's a great fight. Marcus involves himself a little bit. Gets picked up by S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and this is a new incarnation of S.H.I.E.L.D. spinning out of the Secret Warriors book. I've seen him in Avengers already, but it's led by Daisy Johnson, Quake. Um, and basically Cap 
Shield, all these guys, they're wondering the same thing as us, and that's who is this Marcus Johnson cat? There seems to be some answers along the way, but, uh, you know, there's, there's big action in this issue. Like I said, great cat versus Taskmaster fight. But the mystery is cool. But, you know, more than anything, it's just it's, it's neat to meet this brand-new character, Marcus Johnson, who is plugged into the Marvel Universe. We know that. We don't know why, but just kind of getting to know him without any pretense. He's a cool guy. He's very resourceful. doesn't have any powers, um, but he's got his smarts. Uh, he's he's kind of thrown down with Taskmaster investments. It's, it's kind of neat to see just an normal guy who's a soldier. Um, in the same way, you know, all non-powered heroes are cool, but he's got his buddy um, from the Army comes in helps him out, and he's basically, he's got all these superheroes and all these supervillains after him, but his thing is, you know what, I'm going to take this into my own hands, and I'm going to figure out why they're all after me. It's a great point of view kind of thing. You know, a lot of us are like, what would happen if I was dropped in the Marvel Universe? Obviously, we're not all U.S. soldiers, but, you know, in some ways, Marcus Johnson is kind of an everyman dropped into the Marvel Universe and all this craziness. And, you know, it's Chris Yost, man. The guy's a genius and uh, getting to see all the cool stuff. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's a lot of chatter on this book. I know there was where it came out, but if people have let the first two issues slip by. It's, it's, it's a great six-issue limited series. You should definitely get on the ground floor. Marcus Johnson is going to be a hugely important character. And it's a great story, and there's some big stuff coming up for him. Indeedy. Also this week, Black Panther, The Most Dangerous Man Alive, number 526. Uh, David Liss, Sean Martinborough, doing a really cool story. It's There's been a lot of stuff going on, and the Kingpin is um, playing a big role in the Black Panther book right now, and he's set Lady Bullseye and Typhoid Mary after Black Panther and after um, some folks that he needs killed. So there's cool continuation of the fight from the previous issue, but also there's there's a bunch of really great moments. There's um, this Kingpin business going on and some, some romance that could be brewing for Kingpin, and uh, a lot of interesting glances uh, going on with Lady Bullseye, with this other lady, all kinds of fun stuff going on. Uh, Martin Burrow does a great job depicting this, um, you know, the Hell's Kitchen that we've built up over the past year or so. Um, and there's very specific panels that I really dug in this issue. There's one where uh, this Wakandan, I think he's a banker, um, yeah, he's a member of the board for the bank and he's sitting eating a giant sandwich balancing a plate on his belly with ninja bodyguards behind him that's pretty much one of my dreams is to have ninja bodyguards watching me eat a sandwich so um they did that in this issue Uh, i felt really good about that and then there's another shot later in the book where uh typhoid mary and lady bullseye are having sort of uh uh, cool-down moment where they're looking for ice cream, and it's just some funny dialogue. It's it's a great book, really digging what's going on, and it has a great um, final page. It's another, it's a really classic, fun final page that sets up um, some big stuff next issue. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna talk about that final page without spoiling it. It definitely, uh, if you've seen upcoming covers for Black Panther, um, you're gonna want to pick this issue up because the stuff you were excited about in those covers coming up starts here. And I also love one of my favorite Kingpin things is anytime, and this is virtually every appearance, anytime uh, it gets pointed out that despite the fact he looks like this huge, immense dude, it's all pure muscle, even though it's somehow distributed to look like he's this big, fat guy. And this is yet another continued tradition of someone doing the exposition of uh, basically being shocked, like, oh, my God, how can you move like that? I never get sick of that. I never get sick of Kingpin's... uh, his, his cat-like agility 
in the face of his tremendous bulk. It's a great part of his character, and man, I, I love I love what David List is selling. Indeed, uh, Mr. Tancredi, our exiting intern. Why don't you talk a little bit about Carnage USA number one? Surely, Carnage USA number one came out this week, written by Zeb Wells and drawn by Clayton Crane. Um, if anyone out there is as big of a Spider-Man fan as I am, then I'm sure you're really excited to get into this again. Last year, Marvel put out a five-issue miniseries by the same creators um, called Carnage, and it was absolutely insane. Anyone who read it would definitely agree. And this is the sequel to that series. Um, it is the first, at least the first issue, is equally as insane as the last five were last year. Um, I wanted to talk about Clayton Crane's artwork because I think it's absolutely awesome. Um, it adds to the gruesomeness and just excitement of this book. Um, there's actually a couple of panels that, when I was reading it, I, I was actually a little disturbed reading it because it was, I can't believe I was reading this off of a comic book. I really enjoyed it. Um, there's one, and it, it also has a lot of comedy in it too. You know, you'll have, you have the Avengers that are featured in this, um, like Cap and Hawkeye and Spider-Man. And they're joking around like they always are, and it adds a little bit of comedy to a really serious book. But um, I, I think this is definitely one of the books to watch out for. And I love that, me being such a big Spider-Man fan, I like that uh, characters in the Spider-Man world, such as like Carnage and Venom, are getting a lot of, a lot of love with the publisher. Um, you know, we have the Venom, Venom title that's out right now by Rick Remender. That is just awesome. It's one of the best series out right now. And I love reading about all these characters from, you know, the Spider-Man universe that I love reading about all the time. Um, definitely pick this up if you, have a, if you have a chance, and I guarantee you'll be hooked. Yeah, there's two points uh, to add on to everything you said. Good job, John. Um, Thank you. The, the three points I have. One... The Avenger stuff is really funny, particularly Hawkeye, and there's some really great ribbing on another of the Avengers in the book that I don't want to give it away, but um, it's really fun. Zeb taps into something that I, I don't know that has been there, but totally makes sense once you read it. Um, two, point two I had was about uh, some other Spider-Man characters that are hinted at on the last page, which was like, what? I don't even know who that one guy is. That's terrific. <laughs> and then... Um, on Clayton Crane's art, it's there's the, this big double-page splash right at the end of the book, which is just gross, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, I think in one of our live blogs earlier this week, which we'll talk about later, um, someone was asking me uh, where all the symbiotes are. Um, you know, we have Venom, we have Carnage, where are all the other ones? And all I had to say to him was read Carnage USA. And I'll emphasize that again. If you are a symbiote fan, going back to the 90s all the way to today, not even saying which symbiote, any symbiote, you need to read this book. Um, there's there's more than meets the eye, as they say, going on in current USA. Symbiote mania. Symbiotes everywhere. That was a tremendous job, Jaunty. Well done. Thank you. Um, you know, we also had a premiere issue come out this week, Dark Tower, the Gunslinger, the uh, fourth series of this particular installment. We've been doing the Dark Tower for, for quite a few years now. Um keeps on giving from the great Stephen King. It's written by Peter David, uh, Lawrence Campbell, who you may know from Five Ronin. One of our favorite books is on art. And it's the continuing adventures of uh, Roland Deschain, uh, the gunslinger. 
um, what he's getting up to in that crazy world of his and, you know, stuff that goes beyond just the novel. So if you're a Dark Tower fan and you're looking for more, check out Dark Tower the Gunslinger. If you have never checked it out before, you know, number one issue, good entry point. So all sorts of fans, check out Dark, Dark Tower the Gunslinger. Indeed. Uh, also this week we have Ghost Rider, number seven, which is... Uh... This one, this one was a really fun issue. Rob Williams, um, I like what he's doing. He's sort of taken this world and these characters, and made it really twisted and funny, but also gross. And, and there's gruesome elements to it. Um, there's you know undead villains. Ben, there's there are two villains in this book um, who show up. Are I I honestly I I'm not very familiar with these characters. Are they old school Ghost Rider villains? Yeah, you know, I, I read it. I think it was Steel Wind and Steel Vengeance. Um, I've heard the names before. Like, they, they are definitely existing villains. I am not sure entirely what era of Ghost Rider they're from. Um, obviously, they have some sort of past with Johnny Blaze, which leads me to believe they're, you know, from the original Ghost Rider continuity. But they look like Danny Ketch villains. Yeah, totally. They just have that cyber appearance. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hitting the books. Um, trying to learn more about these villains uh, because it was kind of cool. And like you said, Rob Williams, you know, for a British guy, he's pretty funny. Um, he's got a good <laughs> sense of wit to him. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love, I, I, and I love, uh, I, I, you know, if you mentioned that, that Hawkeye guest stars in this issue. And Hawkeye, who's usually the funny guy, is actually the straight man to Johnny Blaze because Rob Williams, Johnny Blaze, is just this sarcastic, wisecracking just hilarious guy. They have a riff on David Bowie in particular, Johnny, Johnny Blaze's love for David Bowie between him and Hawkeye. That's fantastic. And there's a line as Johnny Blaze is basically being dragged away by the new ghost rider, Alejandra, um, where he just rants on Hawkeye, which I loved. I, uh, I appreciate it. As you're saying. Yeah, no, it was terrific. You, you took away, uh, everything I was going to say about the book. So kudos to you. No, there's a lot more. There's a lot more to say, man. You didn't talk about the art or anything. The art's terrific. It's Lee Garvey, yes. uh, a, a friend of the show in the sense that we talk about him. It seems like a lot, and uh, he does a great job here. Uh, some cool stuff. Alejandra, the Ghost Rider, um, he looks like her Ghost Rider. This Ghost Rider that they've created is not just looking like one of the other Ghost Riders, Johnny Blaze or Danny Ketch. A very specific look to the character, and um, Garvey really kicks it up a notch with this so yeah great book uh what do we got next i i apologize for stealing some of your thunder on there and i just got got excited about ghost rider um it's quite all right. but we also had iron man 2.0 number 11 came out this week um written by nick spencer with an assist by will pfeiffer 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 um yeah it's it's spelled like michelle pfeiffer's name but i learned long ago in interacting with mr pfeiffer that's actually pronounced pfeiffer uh, no F, silent F. Um, artists, Ariel Olivetti, and a uh, team of guys helping him. Uh, it's ramping up. War Machine's big storyline's been going on for almost a year now with uh, the mysterious Palmer Adley. It's basically, uh, Palmer Adley's basically a literal ghost in the machine. He was a young genius who was kind of a sociopath who was working for the U.S. government. Seemingly died, but found a way to disperse his chaotic cells uh, kind of across all of existence at this point. He's basically weaponized his dead body. And so he has now basically infected people across the world who are going to these crazy riots where they're killing like zombies. They're eating people. It's, it's, 
much like Carnage USA, it's kind of a sick book. Um, but it's also got that edge of, you know, it, it's an Iron Man book, so it's got technology. Uh, Spencer has always encount- and it, it used a lot of real-world tech stuff that's very cool. But basically, this is War Machine, against all odds, trying to basically worldwide get the lid on this guy who is his enemy. You know, he's, he's the one, only one who's ever deal with this. This is not like an Avengers villain or Fantastic Four villain. He's basically completely over his head, trying to do the best he can. He gets an assist here from Iron Man, from some of the Avengers, from the Future Foundation, and basically tries to combat this, this threat that's almost impossible because it's, it's everywhere. Um, people are going crazy everywhere. He doesn't know how, quite how to stop in this whole series. Palmer Adley's been one step ahead of uh, War Machine. In this issue where it seems like he's finally caught up with him, you learn that he is still a couple steps ahead of him. It's a very cerebral book. Um, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of different levels, but you know, it's 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 a book worth checking out from the beginning. But uh, also, you can jump on here if you like it. There's more to check out. Uh, John Carter, World of Mars, number three, also came out this week. Written by Peter David, art by Luke Ross. John Carter, World of Mars is actually the official comic book prequel to the John Carter film that will be coming out from our friends at Disney uh, in early 2012, and this is basically telling. Two different stories of some of John's companions, uh, the Princess Deja Thoris, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, and also his alien buddy, Tars Tarkas, basically saying what they were up to on Mars before John Carter arrived. Uh, it's beautifully drawn. Luke Ross does a tremendous job just you know, creating this, this alien world that's very fantastic, all sorts of monsters, all sorts of technology, crazy landscapes. Uh, it's basically two stories going on at once. Tars Tarkas and uh, a couple of his friends are kind of on a vision quest trying to prove themselves, trying to hunt down this giant monster, uh, encountering different uh, traps from the elements. Meanwhile, Deja Thoris has been kidnapped, uh, but she is one tough chick. She's not easily kidnapped, and she's trying to get away. These stories are going to converge. They haven't yet. Um, so if you're getting ready to check out the John Carter film, uh, which, you know, the trailer's up. It looks fantastic. You should be looking into that. Pick up John Carter, World of Mars, and get excited. Before I talk about the next book, I just want to apologize for Ben Morse for using the word chick in regards to Deja Thoris. Uh, uh, Mark, I'm sure you're seething over there in Los Angeles hearing Ben throw that word around, and uh, I apologize on behalf of Ben to you as well. I don't apologize. I'm, uh, I'm taking it back. I'm empowering that word by applying it to a powerful female character um, and showing that words won't keep me down. How's, how's your grave doing, Ben? <laughs> what what, what does that even mean? That's what you mean? I'm digging my own grave? You know, you dig is a thing. Shami, thank you for taking the focus off uh, me once again. Good job, Shami. <laughs> You're a gem. All right, so up next is our – we're trying to figure out what we're going to call it, but our sort of pick of the week, our twim of the week. Twim is, you know, this week in Marvel, T-W-I-M. Uh, so our twim of the week is Journey into Mystery number 632 by Kieran Gillen, uh, Mitch Breitweiser, Betty Breitweiser, and a super terrific cover by Stephanie Hans. I think I, this is one of those comics where I just read it and I like rubbed it on my head. I opened it up and I rubbed it around in my head and I was like, oh my God, this book is perfect for me. Uh, you've got Kid Loki, which may be my favorite character of 2011. 
maybe. I love him so much. He's awesome. Uh, you've got a great recap page, as always. Uh, you've got really great art. I, I dug the art by the Brett Weisers. You've got a cameo by the Brett Weisers cat, if you know them uh, well enough. Actually, you've got a cameo by the, all the Brett Weisers in the, uh, the third page of the book. You've got some great Volstagg stuff. You've got Kid Loki. You've got uh, mischief, mischief, mischief aplenty. And then I think the best part of it all are the little wolf pups. Uh, there's one in particular who running around saying murder, 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 death, death to Asgard, I will kill you, all this stuff. And it's an adorable tiny little puppy that shoots fire. It, it just warms my heart. I love it so much. Um, there's also some really cool stuff about how Loki um, gives this litter of puppies to different uh people throughout Asgard and the Nine Realms. Uh, great. Uh, how they worked in the New Mutants and uh, Mephisto and all kinds of stuff. And they worked in Tumblr, which me as a, as a big user and proponent of the social networking service, Tumblr is great. I posted the panel. Uh, Editor John Denning sent me the panel while I was off work the other day. So I posted it on my blog. And I think Today it has something like 300 notes and reblogs and all that good stuff, which means it gets really far out there in the Tumblr community, which is super fun. Um, but yeah, this book is easily one of my favorite single single issues of the year. Ben, you love you liked it too, didn't you? Yeah, man, I echo all that stuff. Uh, I mean, it's just it's it's you know the 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 thing accompanies all this is that Journey to Mystery is a book about Kid Loki, Asgard, all that stuff. And this is essentially, it's a Christmas issue. Um, and that's fantastic because what book is less likely to have a Christmas issue than Journey into Mystery, which is about a bunch of Norse gods. But, you know, it's not, it, it, it's about the spirit of Christmas. Um, and they, as they call it, Yule, because that's, that's how they roll in Asgard. But, you know, you've got, like you said, Volstagg as Santa Claus. And it's basically, it's, it's, it's like a little fable about little Loki and all the stuff he's done this year, all the people he's pissed off, um, all the friends he's made, the enemies he's made, and kind of revisiting the first couple arcs of this series. And like Ryan said, he he gets essentially gets a present. It's it's a bunch of little hellhounds, um, adorable little hellhounds in a little box from Hella, and he has got to get rid of these hellhounds because the all mothers of Asgard say he can't keep them. And it's just a fantastic, Brian was referring to it, just this great montage of Loki visiting everyone he knows, trying just kind of giving away these hellhounds. It's so clever. Uh, Karen Gillan is just, ugh, he's so, he's so witty. He's another one of these, you know, I got to reevaluate these British guys because they really are quite funny. Um, Don't let your prejudice get in the way of your enjoyment not, of these comics. Uh, it's a constant, it's a constant battle, but he's so, he's so funny. Kid Loki is such a lovable character because he and and oh and, and his uh, his bird Eichel, who is the spirit of the old evil Loki, gets some great bits in here too. Uh, Leia, who is the little like Hella clone, uh, this, it, it's such a great cast. There's like a million people in this cast. Every one of them is awesome, and you can tell as always. I think we, we said the same thing about X Club last week. You can tell when Ryan and I really get behind a book. And it seems to end up as our, as you said, twim of the week because we can't encapsulate our love for it. So we just start rattling off random moments from it, which is what we've been doing here for the past like five minutes. Um, and you owe it to yourself 
to see what the hell we're rambling about. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. One of the best single issues, and it's a done in one. I mean, it, it contributes to the overall story, but you can really pick this issue up separately. It's just a great. It's a great treat. Uh, give it. Give it to somebody you love, or you know, give it to someone you're okay with, like Strami. Really, give it to someone who's never read, um, sort of has an aversion to the the whole Thor aspect of the Marvel Universe, because there are folks out there who prefer to read, oh, I only want to read X-Men or something. Share this book with someone who hasn't really gotten into that stuff, and I think you'll all be pleasantly surprised. It It is a great entry point to a lot of these characters. It's a great entry point to the heart of, of what makes this world, this part of the, the Marvel Universe so special. Um, it's it's just terrific. I just want to slap myself in the face with this issue. I love it so much. Yeah, I, we'll wait till tomorrow. Wait till we're at work tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanna, well, I'll take a picture. But yeah, you know, everyone was so cool about when we when we talked about X Club last week. It got a lot of a lot of attention on Twitter. I implore you guys, if you're listening to this, read Journey into Mystery, but also spread the word about how good it is. Spread the word about how good Journey into Mystery number 632 is. Yeah, and and let you know, Kieran. Uh, everyone, everyone who we talked about who works on the book, Kieran, Mitch, Betty, um, Stephanie. I think I don't. I think John Denning maybe on yes, Twitter. Yes. And then even the letter, Clayton Cowles. They're all doing top notch work. Tell them you like the book. Just let them know. It doesn't necessarily have to move new copies, but you know these people are putting out some really great. Uh, comics and just let them know you dig it is is a is a boon to everyone. Speaking of comics, we dig Magneto, Not a Hero number two is out this week. We actually spoke to uh, writer Scotty Young in our Tuesday Q and A on Marvel.com this week, so check that out. But oh man, I love the first issue of this book so much, and the second issue kept it rolling for me. It's a Magneto solo book, and it's Magneto. Uh, here's here's a blast from the past you haven't heard about already. Magneto's clone Joseph from the nineties. 90s tastics when everybody had clones. Um, his long haired, like Fabio looking clone. He's back. Uh, this is the story of how he came back. It involves Astra, another 90s character, how she brought Joseph back. And basically, it's Magneto tracking down his clone who's causing all this trouble, um, finding out how he came back, what he's up to, and what Magneto is going to have to do in order to clear his name. Because Joseph's basically trying to make the world think Magneto has gone bad yet again. Um, talked last time about how Scotty has a great handle on Magneto. He really writes him as this, you know, there's there's an air of menace and reality to him, as most people do, but Scotty's Magneto is also very dry um, in terms of his wit. He's very clever. He's a little disdainful. Um, and it's kind of cool to see him go up against Joseph, who very much, and this, I, I thought this was a smart move on Scotty's part, Joseph very much, once upon a time, he was kind of like the good Magneto. What if Magneto was a good guy? Now Joseph is, under, under circumstances thrown about in this issue, he's basically Magneto from when he first appeared, when he was just a pure, you know, go mutants, uh, screw the humans, cut and dry villain. Um, and it's this great contrast with Magneto basically facing not just himself, but his past self, and trying to having, having to face up to, okay, this is who I am now. I'm with the X-Men, but am I really with the X-Men? And also kind of having to look in the mirror and being like, holy crap, this is what I used to sound like. Was I right? Was I crazy? It's a great face-off. And Scotty's a smart guy. Clay Mann, again, doing the best artwork of his career on this book. I think we went on, Ryan, last time about uh, how much we love the way he draws boots. Oh, uh, seriously. 
And, and they must have heard us because, as you can see, the cover to issue three is uh, like three quarters. It's a boot stomping a Magneto helmet. So I'm going to frame that, put it up in my house because um, I love clay man drawn boots, but I love him drawing this whole issue. You know, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have two Magnetos, obviously you got to have him fight. And clay does the action. Great. Um, the Astra he draws is so creepy, but also kind of alluring. It's weird. And then again, just like last issue, I did a great cliffhanger with the turn of Joseph. This issue ends with another great, what the heck is going on moment. Great. Um, great. Not debut, but you know, really coming out party as far as Scotty Young as a writer. Um, and definitely just a very cool miniseries that may be flying under the radar. But as I said, do not sleep on Magneto, Not a Hero. Also, don't sleep on Marvel Adventure Superheroes number 21. Uh, it's, you've got two stories in this issue, one by J.M. Dematius. Is it Dematius or Dematius? Dematius. Dematius. I, see, I always said Dematius, but I've always heard other I, people say it in different ways. And this is a learning experience for you guys yeah. who are at home listening to this or on, on the go. You're like, oh, I love J.M. How do I say it? And I, that's a question I, I've seen a lot is how do you pronounce Brevort? How do you pronounce Casada? How do you pronounce – say it again, Ben. Uh, Dematius. I, you know, I used to say it Dematius when I was younger too, so I think it's a, it's a coming-of-age thing. Yeah. We to say it correctly. It's spelled incorrectly on our sheet, um, so that may have thrown you. Yeah, it could be. Somebody – whoever put together our, our sheet probably put it, put it in there wrong. Yeah. But uh, you've got – so you've got Jam Dematius doing uh, Doctor Strange Captain America story with art by Wellington Alves. It's got this great Lovecraftian villain. Uh, it's it's a fun fun issue, fun story. Uh, you've got Cap being awesome and Captain America-esque. Especially there's this the last panel of the story is just like, yeah, what's up? I'm Captain America. Let's go. And then you've got your it's second... A weird, it's a weird pairing, too. I don't think I've ever seen Doctor Strange and Captain America in a team-up story. But it, that's what makes it work. It's like, know. you know, it's it's a cool little team-up book, and you've got the short story. It's a done-in-one. And then you've got another story by Jen Van Meter and Pepe Larraz, uh, where Hulk, and it's, it's sort of like a very classic-style Hulk story with, you know, misunderstandings and um, him trying to fit in, and then you know, finding his path and meeting people who he can connect with, but still having to, to you know, go his own way and do his own thing. Uh, it's it's great book. I, I love the Marvel Adventure series, and I know you know. I think we've talked about this before. You some uh, hardcore comic fans scoff at it because they think it's just for kids. It's an all ages book, which means you can be young, you can be old. It's very. It's got you know the great classic Marvel characters and Marvel ideas, and it's done really well so you can hand it off to a kid and they'll enjoy it but you can also get a lot out of it that's why i love those books indeed steal your line indeed uh marvel holiday the marvel holiday special uh is also out this week our uh, yearly series of short stories and th- this one's kind of extra extra special it's a special special because we ran these stories online and uh, we actually did spotlights um, last week on all the new creators because this book is basically full of new creators trying their hands at short stories. So go back on marvel.com and check some of these guys out. I'm going to run through it real quick. It's an anthology. There's four stories, but basically you have Cold Hearted Christmas by new writer Miljenko Horvatic and art by Andrew Trabold. Uh, it's a story of Spider-Man villain Cold Heart and what she's up to on Christmas. Spider-Man's involved as well. It's a very cool, very distinctive art by Trebold and Matt. You have Logan... Logan's Lost Lesson 
by new uh, writer Curtis Weebe and art by Marvel vet Patrick Sherberger, uh, which is Wolverine trying to teach the kids from the Jean Grey school how to play hockey. Um, it's as fun as it sounds. It's very cool. Iceman and Kitty Pride get involved as well. Old St. Nick by newcomers Aaron Shaps and Sebastian Perez uh, is a retro story of Nick Fury. It's a straight-up spy, like, Nick Fury agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. story with him infiltrating Hydra for reasons we don't understand. But there's a twist that makes it both a holiday story and also very touching. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. And finally, Chinese Food for Christmas by Janie S. Rich, joined by Paco Diaz, uh, is a thing story talking about what the Jewish Marvel superheroes do on Christmas. Um, as anyone who is Jewish or grew up in a Jewish community like myself knows, it's kind of a tradition to get Chinese food on Christmas. Um, I was actually a Chinese delivery boy in my town, and I would make a very good sum of money on Christmas Eve uh, going out and delivering Chinese food in the snow. But that's neither here nor there. It's a very cool story about the thing trying to get to his meetup with Kitty Pride and some of the other heroes and getting involved uh, with some shenanigans on Yancey Street. All four really fun stories. Uh, it's just a nice chance to check out some new creators. I hope you'll uh, hope you'll pick up the one shot and see what these guys are up to. And hopefully, you know, when, when they're huge someday, you can say, I was reading them when. Totally. Um, a guy like that, Brian Michael Bendis, back in the day he was doing, you know, these little stories. He was independent comics. He was finding his way up and, you know, got his big break. And now look at him. He's writing New Avengers, number 19. Uh, great book, art by Mike Diodato. It's Norman Osborn revealing, you know, really um, expanding his plans for his new Dark Avengers, which is just such a great team. And they're so creepy, especially his Spider-Man. Just, ugh, I love what he's doing there. But you've got Daredevil, new member of the Avengers, and his interaction with Strami's favorite character, Squirrel Girl, is just three pages of pure joy. It really ends on such a high note. And Diodato, um, he, he really kicks it up a notch with some facial expressions in this book, especially in that Daredevil section. Um, he, you know, there's a lot of guys who really do some great work with faces, and, and Diodato's uh, one of those. I mean, he does great muscles, he does great action, he does great big, big explosion set pieces, but a, a moment like you know what he does in this issue um he nails it um you've got some some big intrigue and there's a lot of stuff that bendis has been setting up in this in new avengers of late that is starting to pay off uh you've got some crazy stuff with victoria hand you've got some crazy stuff with the avengers dealing with um with some of their own issues uh and you've got obviously norman osborne all leading to a super terrific last page and this like winking look by norman osborne and you just know Things are going to go down, and it's going to be pretty bad next issue, uh, especially when you flip the page and you see the cover for number 20, which has the Avenger, the new Avengers fighting the Dark Avengers. Um, great book. Love new Avengers. Love, love, love it. Northanger Abbey, number two, uh, written by Nancy Hajeski, part by the incomparable Janet Lee, uh, based on the Jane Austen novel. You know who actually loves this book is Spider-Man editor Steve Wacker. No joke, big Northern Abbey fan. So if you're on Twitter, I encourage you to tweet at Stephen Wacker, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-W-A-C-K-E-R, and let him know that you are also a uh, Northern Abbey fan. 
get some Northern Jurati chat going on. Seriously, he loves this book. He's constantly raving about it. So I think it'd be cool for uh, for him to have some some people to talk to. But you know, it's another in our series of Jane Austen adaptations. Wait, 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 Ben. Before you go any further, I think actually Wacker mentions Northanger Abbey in one of the letters pages for one of the other books from this week. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he does. He totally talks about it. So That's in Carnage USA. There you go. Boom. I read that. But that is only one instance. Seriously, he talks about it all the time. It's it's an obsession. Um, you know, we've been adapting Jane Austen novels for a couple of years. It's one of the cooler outside-the-box initiatives we do. So please do pick that up, supporting our, uh, our efforts to diversify. Uh, Shield number four by Jonathan Hickman and Dustin Weaver. There is no book out there like S.H.I.E.L.D., it is wacky, off-the-wall crazy. Um, and in this issue, uh, in, 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 the previous, in the previous issue, we had Isaac Newton escape from the clutches of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we didn't know where. Find out he's in the future. So in this issue, the rest of the gang, uh, from Michelangelo to Reed Richards and Tony Stark's dad to Leonid um, to Nikola Tesla, I believe, is in the mix there. Tesla! Yeah, Tesla rocking hard. Uh, they travel to a bunch of different alternate futures, but you're not quite, as is usually the case with this book, you're not quite sure what's going on, but you're intrigued as heck by it. Um, there's glimpses of some alternate Marvel universes, some things that can't be going. There's actually some Marvel superheroes show up here. I'm not going to say how, but basically it's a chase across time. You know, it's it's everything you'd expect from a book that has Nikola Tesla and Michelangelo chasing Isaac Newton across parallel dimensions into the future. Um, the art by Dustin Weaver is fantastic. He packs ridiculous details and quirkiness into every panel. And pound for pound, it's uh, it's just a very dense, very intelligent book. You know what, Jamma Shield, um, do encourage you to pick it up and try to unlock the mystery. Unlock the mystery. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, what are we up to next? The Stand? Stand. The Stand. Um I, I think we talked about this uh, a couple weeks back, and it's the end of the road for The Stand. Uh, it's the penultimate issue of The Stand, The Night Has Come, by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and our friend Mike Perkins. Um, you know, I, I think I talked about this before. I've never read Stephen King's novel for The Stand, and I vaguely remember the TV movie of The Stand. But I jumped all over the comic for the stand because I really love the creative team, and um, it just it it never stops. This book is just it's it's horrifying at times, but it's it's really well drawn. And um, I do want to make a, a point about the coloring because I do love Laura Martin's colors on this issue. I mean, when you say Laura Martin did the colors, you know it's top notch. But um, yeah, it, it's really great. And I, I honestly don't know where this is going to go. I'm, I'm sort of coming, in, as I said, I'm coming into this uh, new, um, not having been part of the stand action previously. So seeing where these characters have gone and who's died and who's come back and who's moved around and what's going on with, you know, with uh, the, the super flu and, and the all the different characters. It's just, I really love this book. I'm kind of bummed that it's coming to an end, but they've done a really bang up job. Um, so, almost there. I'm gonna miss you, the stand. I'm gonna miss you. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm in. I'm in the same boat as you. I've never, 
read the stand. I've never, I didn't see the TV movie, but the comics have been fantastic. So it will be sad to see it go, but uh, it's been, it's been quite a ride. Um, Ultimate Comics X-Men number four, continuing Nick Spencer and Paco Medina's first arc, kind of rebuilding the Ultimate X-Men in the Ultimate Comics universe. Um, this issue focuses a little bit on Stryker, who's the villain, um, the Ultimate Universe version of Reverend Stryker, who, of course, we all know from the Marvel Universe, from X-Men, God Loves, Men Kills. Uh, this kind of tells a little bit of what happened to him between ultimatum and today to kind of raise him up to be a different level of threat i love his kooky costume that paco medina gives him where he's basically like a human sentinel he's a sentinel but he's got like sentinel parts on him, but he's still definitely a guy he's got like uh his hair is poking out the top it's very cool but we learn about him learn what's going on with him uh there's a little internal struggle between some of the the kids uh kitty pride human torch also, Iceman, Rogue, and Wolverine's son are out to the side. Um, there's a little bit of a rift there on how to deal with some of the problems that are coming. And there's a major twist at the end um, that I did not see coming. Um, and you know, it reminds me a lot of Nick Spencer's work. He does some great work with, uh, with young characters who you can't quite read what's going on. People have different motivations. It's, uh, it's some cool soap opera stuff. And, of course, also, uh, we get more of Ultimate Maggot which is what we're all really staying tuned for, right, Ryan? Here we go, Maggot. Here we go. That's yep. my little Maggot song for you guys. Ultimate Maggot, still still going strong in this book. Talks a little bit with Kitty Pride here. Uh, his, his little worms show up. But Ultimate Comics X-Men, like I said, if you're a fan of teen soap opera uh, or if you're a fan of big action, hey, two for one here. Two for one deal. And if you're a fan of Striker or Maggot, uh, you gotta you gotta jump all over this. Yeah, this is the only place you'll get. Them. Yeah, right now, definitely. Um, Uncanny X Force is, is next on our list, and I would say that this was so close for me as our twim of the week. It was like a hair's breadth between Journey into Mystery and Uncanny X Force. And you know what I usually do when I get my stack of comics every week is I put them in the order of, of sort of what I what I need to read absolutely first right away. I need to absorb it into my being. Um, and Uncanny X-Force was top of the pile. It's just another disgustingly incredible... I just hate it so much because it's beautiful and amazing. It's by Rick Remender, writer. Art double shot by Jerome Pena with some Asad Rabik. You got the beautiful, beautiful colors by Dean White, who I just... He's he's on some some Laura Martin level stuff with you know his quality. Laura Martin's been in the been you know Eisner um, nominated, probably Eisner winner. She's terrific. Dean White, I want him to get all the Eisners. I want him to win Eisner for best comic book website this year, next year because of his colors on Uncanny X Force. He's that good. Uh, but you've got the final throwdown between. Uh, Archangel, who's in the Apocalypse role, and Uncanny X-Force, and you've got Dark Beast getting his machinations all assorted, and you've got, um, you know, some some revelations about um, what Apocalypse sort of is, and and where the Apocalypse seed is, uh, what it can do for reality. Um, you know, Wolverine and Deadpool and Psylocke just being brutal um, and having to step it up. And there's this heartbreaking, what is it, two pages, three pages? It's a, of, few. it's a few. Yeah, it's a few pages, just heartbreaking story, 
wrapped into the middle of this crazy, violent, super nuts action story that it was just it was it was great. Rick shows that he can do this big action. He shows that he can do this really these quiet emotional scenes, um, and he can do crazy. He can do lots of crazy. Um, yeah, I. A lot of people out there are reading Uncanny X Force. Everyone should be reading Uncanny X Force. Just echoing some of what Ryan says. Uh, the cool thing about Rick, about Uncanny X Force, about this arc is he brought so many toys out of the toy box. As far as the Apocalypse stuff, the Age of Apocalypse characters who come into play here, uh, Weapon Plus stuff with Phantom X. There's so much on the table that it's like you know it's all this bright shiny stuff that it amazes you when for everything that's going on at the end, he can really bring it back to just two or three characters and the incredible emotional impact between them. You know, you've got all these explosions and all these characters and everything going on, but really at the end of the day is a story just about a few people and their connections. And Ryan described it as beautiful. It really is. I mean, it's probably a word we throw around too much, but Uncanny X-Force, and especially Uncanny X-Force 18, really is beautiful book not just from the art standpoint but from the writing as well it's it's touching it's hard and it's it's really an example of comics done well on any other week um i think i think it would have been our our twin and maybe even in the running to be like co-twin or something i i think you know i'd like to see rick remender and kieran gillen fight it out to see who gets the the trophy um i wouldn't poor kieran would get his butt handed to him it's true i forgot about that he's very he's a lover not a fighter yeah also Rick's, Rick's from the hardcore scene. He'll uh, he'll just stomp him. Just saying. Hey, well, Kieran Dillon, Kieran Gillen's a DJ. You know. He, uh... Oh, he could like <laughs> in uh, in that movie I saw when I was younger. He can throw you know CDs and records yeah. at him, and it would cut his head open. Yeah, Done. it's a it's a musical throwdown that you know is definitely worth seeing. But yeah. bringing things to a close this week, uh, appropriately enough, the final issue of Wolverine, the best there is. Uh, the book that Ryan and I have been crushing on since it debuted last December. So for a year now, uh, Charlie Houston and Juan Jose Rip have been bringing us this story of Wolverine dealing with this guy, Contagion, who is one of the sickest, grossest, most terrible villains um, who's been introduced in some time. He's basically just this sadistic, completely immoral um, jerk uh, who can create any disease ever. He's been torturing Wolverine for the last 12 months. He's so annoying because you can't hurt him. He has every angle figured out. He's got this squad of literally unkillable mercenaries working for him. They're actually called the Unkillables. Um, so, you know, it's right out there on the nose. And, you know, for 12 months, he's been driving Wolverine nuts. Various forms, depends on side stories. But basically, this final issue is the story where Wolverine finally gets his against Contagion. Uh, Contagion fights the X-Men and ugh, does disgusting things to them. This is, I should mention, this is a book for mature readers. Uh, it's not for kids. There's a lot of graphic violence and a lot of disgusting. And Juan Jose Rip uh, specializes in drawing kind of the gross and the violent, if you will. But this is the story of Wolverine after a year of taking abuse from this, this jerk, uh, finally giving it back to him, and how they finally turn the tables on him. Um, he's such a great villain because I hated him so much, but seeing Wolverine and this bizarre cast of people kind of uh, strike back against him. And then the ending, which is really weird and philosophical and also involves Dazzler. Uh, people were asking me on Twitter, where are we going to see more Dazzler? 
uh, in Wolverine, best there is, strangely enough. Um, oh, it's just such a such a gross. But just just I'm sad to see this book go. I have a hunch it might not be the last uh, we see of Charlie Houston with these characters because he definitely leaves some stuff open. And I certainly hope that he and Juan Jose Rip get to follow some of this up because it's been a great quirky off the wall series that I know Ryan, you and I have both really enjoyed. I love this book. It's gross and it's everything that Ben talked about. And, um, I'm glad that we, we have it and that it exists and, um, hopefully we'll see it again. We'll see more. Well, I know we're going to see more from these guys. Um, but I just want to see more of this. I, I love this. And that last page, Ben alluded to it a little bit. I was like, yes, I knew it. Oh, yes, get that. And so <laughs> I was super excited for that to happen. Up next in This Week in Marvel, we'll go to collections on sale. For this week, we've got uh, Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2. They both get new printings uh, for this week, um, which is, is great. They look they look really gorgeous. The Secret Wars collection, I was reading on the train home, and I tweeted about this earlier, that I want more writers to use the phrase milksop uh, when basically insulting another character, like, you're such a milksop, Spider-Man. And I... Just it's so very you know '80s Marvel to me that it it's it's got it's it's very endearing. Um, it, I just love reading that, so I was I want more of that. So Kieran Gill and Rick Remender, I'm sure you're going to be listening to this. Make sure you put Milk Sop in the next issues of your comic books. Um, I'd also like to see people get back to uh, Mark Miller did this briefly in the early part of the century, but in uh, Ultimate when he started Ultimate X Men, he had a lot of people calling other guys Meatball. I'd like to see that make a comeback as well. Really? Meatball? Yeah. Yeah. Sabretooth called Wolverine Meatball all the time. Maybe it's a Scottish thing. Also this week, Secret Warriors Volume 5. That's a book I I miss. I really loved it. Wolverine and Jubilee, Curse of the Mutants. One of my favorites uh, from the last couple months. Great series by uh, Phil Noto and Catherine Eminen. And then Essential Fantastic Four Volume 3. New printing of that. Terrific, terrific stuff. Uh, ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about the day-and-date digital comics available? Sure thing. These are uh, some of the books we talked about earlier during our comics on sale. These are also currently available on the Marvel Comics app. Uh, and that would be Avengers X-Sanction number one, Battle Scars number two, Carnage USA number one, John Carter World of Mars number three, Journey into Mystery number 632, which is our twin of the week, and Ultimate Comics X-Men number four, all available now on the Marvel Comics app. Also on the app for this week, Mr. Tancredi, why don't you run down uh, some, some books for us available to Marvel Comics app users? Sure. We have a, a lot of good stuff coming out this week on the Marvel Comics app, um, starting with three issues of Dark Wolverine, number 85, 86, and 87. Um, we have, from Fear Itself, this is the... The, one of the major arcs that happened this year. We have issue number 7.2. We have Fanta- uh, FF, actually, FF from, this, uh, from 2010, um, the first five issues of that series, which is, actually, is still going on as one of the better series that we have out. We have the first 12 issues of Heroes Reborn Fantastic Four, which okay, is a those series... Are the, those are the only 12 issues. You're so the young. The only 12 issues. You're so young. Um, you don't remember Heroes Reborn. It was, it was in, an exciting time for all of us. In 1996, I was six. So oh. that's showing. Yeah, that's uh, that's showing my age right there. 
There were actually 13 issues of Heroes Reborn Fantastic Four, Ben. We don't talk about the 13th issue, Strong. I'm, I'm just saying, there's a 13th issue. So technically, John's statement was correct. You just got strawmied. How do you feel wow. about that? I'm typing to him in the chat uh, stuff I can't say on the air. <laughs> Continue, Mr. Tancredi. Sure. Um, we have the first five issues, or the five issues, I'm not too sure, of Prelude to Deadpool Corpse. And we also oh, have... Pronounced core, John. Core. It's dead body. I, I messed that up. I'm sorry. Uh, we actually had a debate about that in intern role the other day, how to pronounce it. And, of course, it is core, like the Marine. Wait, before uh, you go any further, for those listeners who say, wait, what is intern row? Please elaborate on what intern row is. Well, intern row is the section of Marvel headquarters where all, well, I shouldn't say all, most of the interns... We, uh, we all have our computers there. We all, that's where we all work and do our daily tasks. Um, it's a cool little setup because you're able to interact with interns that are in a bunch of different departments, and we all became you know, pretty good friends this semester. It's been fun. Let's finish up the comics available on the Marvel app right now. Sure, and we have uh, Wolverine Origins from 2006, issues 46 through 50. Very good. The finale, uh, the finale of Wolverine Origins. The finale. Um, Mr. Strom, Mr. Stromy Strom, why don't you talk about the collections released on the app this week? Sure thing. We got uh, Avengers X-Men Utopia, which is um, the six-part storyline written by Matt Fraction uh, and drawn by the Dodsons, Mike Diodato, and a bunch of other people, if I remember, uh, that ran between Dark Avengers and Uncanny X-Men a couple years back. And this is the storyline that, you know, established Utopia and established the X-Men's home on Utopia. And we've also got Doctor Strange, The Oath, which is the five-issue Doctor Strange limited series written by Brian K. Vaughn and drawn by Marcos Martin, who is currently killing it on Daredevil. Wait, before you go any further, Doctor Strange, The Oath is one of my my favorite Marvel stories. I absolutely love Doctor Strange, The Oath, Brian K. Vaughn, and Marcos Martin just annihilate on this series you've got night nurse in it you've got um great wong action you've got dr strange you've got i mean everything about dr strange the oath is terrific and if you've never read it it's as we're talking about right now it's available on the app as a complete collection it's a must own hands down could you please get a t-shirt made that says great wong action i would love to If anybody at a convention in 2012 wants to give me a T-shirt that says Great Wong Action and then, like, in quotes with Agent M on it, I'll wear it. Done. You have a picture of Wong on the back. Yeah. Well, obviously. Continue, Mr. Strom. Sure thing. We've also got Fantastic Four by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 2, which, if I remember correctly, uh, collects four issues of Jonathan Hickman and Dale... uh, Jonathan Hickman's run on the series, drawn by Dale Eaglesham. And these are the four issues that introduce a lot of elements that are in play uh, right now in FF and Fantastic Four with the War of the Four Cities. This is really what laid the groundwork for that. Iron Man Armor Wars, which is the classic storyline by written by David Michelinie and Bob Layton and uh, drawn by M.D. Bright, 
uh, Mark Bright, and it's a classic story. Iron Man, his tech is stolen from him. He has to go out and uh, basically steal it back, and he runs a fall of love, his allies in the process. New X-Men by Grant Morrison, Volume 2, which has some great Grant Morrison uh, craziness going on with New X-Men from when he was writing it uh, about 10 years ago now. And Ultimate Spider-Man, Volume 4, Legacy, which, if I remember correctly, is uh, Ultimate Spider-Man's second battle with Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin, which is great stuff. Brian Michael Bendis wrote it. Mark Bagley drew it. Uh, really, really great, fun stuff. Terrific. Thank you, Mark. Also, you know, you guys have the app and the ways to read your comics on a tablet or on your phone, iOS, Android. But we also have Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. And I know some folks have actually heard us talk about Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited and have gotten, gotten subscriptions. And we appreciate that. Please let us know if that's the case. And if you want to get in on the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited action, I believe there is currently a uh, 20% off code that is COMEBACK3. COMEBACK3, one word. Put that in as you're checking out. Uh, for a year of Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited, you'll save, what is that, like 12 bucks, give or take. That's a, a terrific savings considering you're getting access to 10,000 comics for a year. I am actually trying to work on getting a another discount code, making sure that the listeners of This Week in Marvel have codes for different things, um, and such as Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited is a little thank you uh, if you're digging the, the services that we can hopefully get you a little bit more. So... With all that said, we release five books on Marvel Digital Comics uh, Unlimited every day. So on Monday, we released Daredevil Reborn, number one, Deadpool, number 42 and 43, Spider-Man, number 13, and uh, Superheroes, number 13. Those last two are Marvel Adventures books, which I wholeheartedly support and want you guys to read because I think they're terrific comics, regardless of whatever perceptions you have about all-ages books. On Tuesday, we released Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, number 3, Avengers vs. Pet Avengers, number 3, and Daredevil Reborn, issues 2 through 4. Ben, why don't you talk about what we released on Wednesday? On Wednesday, today, we just released Wolverine and Jubilee, number 2, X-23, number 5 from the current series, issues number 213 and number 214 of the current X-Factor series, as well as issue number 7 of the current X-Men series, which kicks off the To Serve and Protect storyline with Spider-Man guest-starring and Chris Pichalo on art. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be releasing five classic issues of Thor from the 1966 original series, number 450, number 451, number 452, number 453, and number 454. And we will wrap the week on Friday with five issues of Incredible Hulks, number 620 through 624, and all in between. Okay, thanks, Ben. Now we're going to move on to games that uh, new game releases for this week. Mr. Strami, why don't you take it away? Sure thing. Uh, we've got Marvel Pinball Vengeance and Virtue. It's out now on both PlayStation Network and Xbox Live Arcade. You've played our previous Marvel Pinball game. Uh, this is These are four new tables uh, for Marvel Pinball. The theme is that they've got two vengeful tables centered on Moon Knight and Ghost Rider and two virtuous tables with X-Men and Thor. 
If you enjoyed the last Marvel Pinball games, Al, then you'll love these. Uh, it's the uh, you know same type of action, same type of, of controls and everything. It's a blast. I've played it a little bit. I actually uh, just got hooked up with it from our games guy over here, so I will be diving into it more uh, tonight. But I love these games, and I am not particularly good at pinball, and I still love them. And we also have, uh, in Superhero Squad Online, uh, we've got two new playable characters that were released this past week. Uh, you can now go in and you can play as Shadowcat, Kitty Pride from the X-Men, and Psylocke from the X-Men as well. And I've played as Psylocke, and she is a great character. She's actually one of my favorite characters uh, to play as in the game, along with Ultimate Comic Spider-Man. So you can now get both of those in Super Squad Online, which you can go and play at www.heroup.com. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's free to play, and as you dig into it, you, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Up next on the show, what's on TV this week? Looks like we have uh, two episodes of the Superhero Squad show at 7 a.m. on Cartoon Network. On Thursday, it's Devil Dinosaur, you say, and on Friday, it's Planet Hulk. Uh, and those are two season two episodes uh, that much as you would imagine the first features double dinosaur and the second is all about the hulk on a superhero squad version of plant hulk then on friday at 11 p.m eastern time on g4 we've got a new episode of the x-men anime series uh it's episode nine this time around it's called revelation uh you get a couple of cool reveals in this series that they've been building up to for a while uh, and just sort of kicks into high gear as we get into the last act of uh, the series. Also, after that, at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on G4, uh, we have a uh, encore of an episode of the Iron Man anime that ran earlier this year. In this one, uh, Iron Man goes up against uh, Yinsen some more. Got some, you know, Iron Man fighting action that continues into... Iron Man Armored Adventures, which we have, it looks like, episodes at 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. on Monday. And also on Thursday, uh, tomorrow, on FX at 3.30 p.m., we have X-Men Origin Wolverine, which is the uh, X-Men movie starring Hugh Jackman that came out uh, two years ago now, I think. And that is this week in Marvel Movies and TV. Let's go into the news section. Ben, why don't you talk about some news? Since last we spoke, uh, we had some great stuff on Marvel.com, including sneak peeks at Defenders number two, as well as Wolverine and the X-Men number four. We concluded our introducing series, uh, talking about the new creators from the aforementioned Marvel Holiday Special. A nice interview with Jamie Rich, who wrote The Thing Story, Chinese Food for Christmas. Uh, we continued our Secret Avengers Spotlight, looking at the original Human Torch, Jim Hammond. Talked with Rick Remender about him, some plans he has for Secret Avengers. That series will be coming back later this week, and we're going to be wrapping that up, looking at the entire cast. On Monday, we remembered the career and life of Jerry Robinson, one of the all-time legends of comics who passed away last week. Uh, we took a look at some of his accomplishments and the reason he'll be so fondly remembered by everyone. We got our first look on Tuesday at the X-Men solicitations for March. Uh, 
includes all the X-Men books from Uncanny to Wolverine and the X-Men to Uncanny X-Force uh, and all the solo titles. Uh, we had a pair of Marvel Next Big Thing Live blogs on Monday and Tuesday. The first uh, talked about Marjorie Liu and our friend Mike Perkins taking over Sasha X-Men. And then yesterday, we covered the upcoming Ends of the Earth story in Amazing Spider-Man with Dan Slott. Both of those are available for replay on Marvel.com. And also, as we spoke about earlier, Tuesday Q&A yesterday, we spoke with Scotty Young, writer of Magneto Not a Hero, as well as artist of the Oz series, and we debuted some Clayman, Magneto Not a Hero art with that story. Fantastic. Uh, we also did a live blog today uh, for Age of Apocalypse, where we talked about uh, the new Age of Apocalypse series by David Lapham and Roberto De La Torre. We showed off some new art. We talked about how the series focuses on the human characters in the Age of Apocalypse world and their struggle against the awful, awful mutants in that universe and, and that reality. And it's it's a cool way to flip the perceptions of what you usually have with the humans versus mutants arguments and particularly what is going on with what you've known about the uh, the Age of Apocalypse universe. So that was great. We had a great crowd. Really loved that. Uh, we have one more. Uh, is it one more or two more live vlogs this week? Uh, one more this week, tomorrow, Thursday, or rather today, Thursday, if you're listening to this. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So it may already be underway or over by the time you listen to this, but you can always check out the replay, uh, and that's going to be a mystery blog with a surprise guest. Cool. Um, and always, if you guys uh, need to catch up on any of our live blogs, you can always go onto Facebook. There's a tab on the left-hand side that says Marvel Live Blogs. You can get a full listing of all our previous live blogs, see what live blogs are scheduled for the future, um, and that's always there if you can't find it on Marvel.com. In addition to the live blog, we talked about an evening with Marvel Comics at the Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas, which is a, a special Scarlet Spider event. If you go to Marvel.com, you can find out more about um, our little partnership with Alamo Draft House to, to celebrate the launch of Scarlet Spider by Christopher Yost and Ryan Stegman. Mark spoke a little bit uh, a couple minutes ago about Marvel Pinball Vengeance and Virtue now available on PSN and XBLA. I had some personal codes for the game, so from me to you, I'm going to throw out some letters. You may have to rewind this, but it's first come, first serve. Pop them into Xbox Live, uh, redemption code, and you can have um, free Vengeance and Virtue. The first one is 7YTQKJK4VG. T7TFQ PHTKM KMK9Z It's a long crazy string of letters and numbers but uh, if you if you want it you'll you're going to get it trust me I know how crazy um, gamers can be to get the freebies so that's one let's see the second one let's do CDT63 2CVVG W7XFK 3GQVD, M32KZ. Um, again, first come, first serve. This is for me, H&M, to you guys. Um, well, it's actually from Zen, Zen Studios, who makes Marvel Pinball. I'm just the facilitator of the uh, the fun freebies. You guys enjoy those. Um, and then tweet me if you get the, the, uh, the game and let me know how you're doing. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's see, Strami, why don't you run down some more news for us? This week we also... 
announced that in addition to the Iron Man and Spider-Man monster trucks uh, that we debuted and talked about uh, this year, I think, at San Diego Comic-Con, there will also be Captain America and Wolverine monster trucks making the tours with them. Uh, we've got a full schedule of where where they'll all be and when on Marvel.com right now, uh, so you can check that out. On Friday, uh, the new Amazing Spider-Man movie poster made its debut. It's an excellent shot, I think, very well designed. It looks like it's just the Spider-Man symbol, but if you look more closely, you see that it's actually... Uh, Peter Parker sort of crouching up in the corner of this alleyway up above with the light shining down on him and the shadow from his legs and arms form the top of the Spider-Man symbol. It's very nice, uh, uh, very sort of subtle in that way, but I really dig it. And yesterday, uh, Tuesday, we had the new Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance movie poster, which made its debut, uh, which features Ghost Rider sort of riding out at you in a very awesome shot, which was also used for the in-theater standee, which I believe are in theaters now, and we have a photo of that uh, on the same news story as the new poster. We also have Superhero Squad Online Meet Psylocke. Uh, it's a character vignette featuring some gameplay of Psylocke in Superior Squad Online, which we talked about earlier. Marvel's The Avengers Prelude comic, which we announced today. Uh, there will be a Prelude comic. Issues 1 and 2 of 4 hit in March. This is a Prelude comic to Marvel's The Avengers, you know, Coming out next year, May 4th, 2012, written and directed by Joss Whedon, starring, you know, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, the whole crew. This series, uh, we can't really say much about right now. We'll be bringing you more news about it and more info sort of in the coming months leading up to it. But just know that, yeah, it sort of lays some of the groundwork for Marvel's The Avengers and goes deeper into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, we also have full seasons of Marvel TV shows on iTunes for under $20 currently. Uh, right now we have of the complete Avengers Unite They Stand, the complete Incredible Hulk animated series from the 1990s, the complete Astonishing X-Men Gifted Marvel Knights animation series in both standard definition and high definition. And we also have all four seasons of X-Men Evolution, as well as all six uh, sets of Wolverine and the X-Men episodes, uh, which comprise the entire series. Uh, so again, go to marvel.com. We've got the full listing along with all the links to those seasons and sets in the iTunes store currently under our movies and TV and TV sections. So yeah, check it out. And, uh, you know, they make great holiday gifts if, uh, if, uh, you're still looking for someone. Fantastic. And finally, John, finish us up with news with uh, the piece you worked on today. Well, today I put together a story from Diamond Select Toys. They have a new series coming out featuring the Avengers um, with a movie coming out soon. Everyone's getting really excited about the Avengers, so this is a great series to pick up, you know, to prepare yourself in April for the release in May. They are Marvel Mini-Mates um, that include a couple of different two-packs that are featuring a bunch of different Avengers characters from all the from different eras of the Avengers. Um, the first two-pack we have is 
Iron Man and Captain America. And we also have Hulk and Thor paired together. We have Giant Man and Kree Sentry. And we also have a short packed variant set with um, an Ant Man and another Kree Sentry, which is also which is a limited edition special pack. So if you see that one, definitely grab it. Each mini mate is two inches tall and they have a bunch of different cool accessories that come with it. And anyone who's ever picked up one of these sets from Diamond Select knows that they do a really great job with these mini mate sets. There's been a ton of them and I love how they do a bunch of different obscure characters. They don't they don't just stick with the main Avengers, they'll go and they'll add people like Giant Man and um, characters like that. So definitely uh, pick this up when it hits stores in April. Thank you, John. So uh, we're done with a lot of the big stuff for the week. Now it's time for This Week in Marvel questions that you guys have tweeted to us. If you want your question answered on the podcast, tweet to... You don't even have to tweet to us. Just make sure you use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. We look at the feed all week long, and we pull the questions. We put them in a document, and we share them to the questions. And a couple of these came in last week uh, after our big AVX event. So very AVX-centric. Question is from La Femme... Flan, Flanuis, what role is Jean Grey going to play now that the Phoenix Force is returning? And what role will Jean Grey play in AVX? Uh, ben, you want to touch on that one? Well, first of all, I think a lot of people are asking this question when maybe the question they should be asking is what role is Jean DeWolf going to play? What? What? The Phoenix Force is returning. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave that one out there and let it linger. But no, seriously, uh, obviously it's a question on everyone's minds, not just because the Phoenix Force is coming back, but I know our editor-in-chief, Alex Alonzo, talked a lot during the event that we held last week that, you know, Hope Summers is a mutant girl with red hair, green eyes, looks kind of familiar. A lot of people have wanted to know about the connection between her and Jean Grey since she debuted. Uh, With the Phoenix Force coming, he has promised we are going to learn more about that in ABX. So... Does Jean Grey have a role to play? Uh, It's a great question. It's definitely something that's going to be explored uh, through the Phoenix Force, but also a lot through Hope, who is going to be a major, major player in AVX. Very good. Question from Josh Foster. Um, How about some news on the Marvel MMO? Um, There will be news about our massively multiplayer online game, um, we just don't have anything to share yet. We will have more news. Just bear with us. <clears throat> the game's still quite a ways away. Um, and if you want more information on the Marvel MMO, you can go to the Marvel Games section on Marvel.com and get all the details that we have released so far. Character lists and some art and uh, details. It's free to play, etc., etc. Question from Marvelicious Toy wants to know um, if there can be future game collaborations with Ravensoft. He says this because he's excited for the Amazing Spider-Man game that we, we've showed uh, some, some new art and some trailers for, um, but he's a big X-Men Legends and Marvel Ultimate Alliance fan, um, and Ravensoft worked on those games. I'm sorry, Marvelicious Toy, there are no current plans to work with Ravensoft, and again, that doesn't mean that it's impossible but there's nothing to speak of. You never know. Could happen, but nothing in the pipeline right now. There are more games coming, though. Definitely more games. I actually saw TQ Jefferson, who's the head of Marvel Games. He was in the office last week. I asked him to sit down, and we chatted about some projects that are on the way. Um, And actually, Ben, remind me tomorrow to tell you what I found out about some of those projects uh, because good stuff we've talked about before. Check, boss. All right. Uh, Literate Knits. Uh, former Marvel intern, Literate Nitz, her question is, does Santa Claus share his 
quote-unquote, delivering presents in one night secret with Spidey, Wolverine, and Deadpool. And I think that she's she's having a little fun there because Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Deadpool are in so many comics right now. We've had Santa Claus in comics before, right? Yeah, sure. Santa Claus has been a major player in comics. Um, he's, a, he's a tremendous star. Uh, you know, we just don't want to overbook him. Uh, he really works best in December. Um, but, you know, if there's enough demand out there and people want to see Santa Claus in his own book, you know, vote with your dollars. Uh, tweet Axel Alonso and tell him we want to see a Santa Claus book. Yeah, that's, that's, the, um, that's the question, right? Yeah, Axel Alonso Marv. One word. Let him know you want Santa Claus and more comics. And um, say that Strami on This Week in Marvel told you to tweet him. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure that he gets the message. We got a question from RCS underscore T who says, I've been out of comics for 30 years and I feel a little overwhelmed. What would be the best place or series to get restarted? Um, this is great. This is actually a, a question I, I love addressing because sort of there's so many different ways to go about answering it. Um, one get yourself a digital a Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited subscription because we, we talk about it a lot, but it's 10,000 comics and you can really catch up on the last, you can catch up on the last 30 years and particularly the last, you know, 10 years of comics with without spending a ton of money and you really get brought back up to speed on a lot of stuff. In addition to that, it really depends on the comics, the characters and the stories and the, the creators you're, you're a fan of. 30 years ago, what, what year is that? That's uh, the early 80s, so you probably, maybe you were an X-Men fan. The X-Men books are in a great state right now. We just sort of relaunched a lot of them. Um, so Uncanny X-Men is a great book. Wolverine and the X-Men is terrific. Wolverine itself is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Uncanny X-Force, which we talked about extensively, is one of my favorite books, period. Definitely the X-Books are a great place to jump back into. Right now, you, you can start in a low number and, and get a couple issues right away. Ben, what would you suggest to this fella? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot before about some of these like perennial books we like, like Marvels, but you know, something we haven't discussed is we actually started last year the Point One series, um, which is every series, every, every Marvel book we've been endeavoring, and I think we're coming up on getting them all done, they have all had point one issues, which are specifically designed as jumping on points to kind of familiarize you with the series, and we've started collecting those. So if you are a lapsed reader or a new reader, a great place to kind of sample a little bit of a smorgasbord of what we have available is to check out the point one comics, and also they're all available online. Um, they're all on the app. They're all on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. But also pick up the collections, the uh, the point one collections, and from there you can kind of be like, all right, well, I really like this point one issue of Uncanny X Force. I want to see more. I really like this issue of Amazing Spider Man. But you know that that's an issue we started specifically to try to help people who are either new to comics or may have been out of the game for a while. So that's another avenue you can go down. Totally, Strama, do you have any suggestions? Uh, I always recommend. Uh, the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale color books to people who have sort of been out of it for a while yeah. or just dipping in. Uh, those are Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, and Hulk Gray. And I think that those are just really great points. Uh, they go back and sort of retell stories from the characters' origins. But there's great stories, particularly for someone who, you know, hasn't read before, but even for lapsed readers, it's a great place. It's just a great reentry point to sort of start getting back into the swing of things. Mr. Tancredi, what would you say? Well, I have two books that I'd say um, definitely check out that are 
ongoing right now. One of them is one of the more popular books, obviously, is uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, we just finished up with Amazing Spider-Man with the Spider Island story arc. So when that trade comes out, definitely pick that up and you can read all of the books that were involved with the Spider Island storyline. Dan Slott's doing an incredible job writing Spider-Man right now. It's one of my favorite runs of Spider-Man. And, uh, and Spider-Man also just started with a new story arc featuring the Vulture. So definitely pick that up. And also one of my favorite comic books right now that's out is Mark Wade's Daredevil run that's currently going on right now. Um, I've been reading these past couple issues lately over and over again because I cannot get enough of it. It is just the storytelling is great. The art is great. And if you're a Daredevil fan, you're definitely going to like it. So definitely pick that up. Totally. Uh, and lest I forget the uh, Ultimate line, you have Ultimate Comics Spider-Man and Ultimate Comics Avengers, and even the, the first Ultimate books as someone who hasn't read in 30 years. That's um, a fru- new, fresh take on you know characters and concepts, and you can have a lot of fun with those. And I'd be curious to hear what you try and let us know. Um, so Levi P. Tompkins says, will we ever see Galacta? Again, it's a good question. I don't know. That's a uh, that was a little passion project of Mr. Editor Jordan D. White, I believe. Um, so it's possible. Tweet him. He is on the Twitter at c r a c k s h zero t. It's crack shot, but it's not quite crack shot. So tweet him. Let him know you're a Galacta fan. You know, see if he has any more plans. As far as I know, currently there are no Galacta stories in the pipeline. We've got a bunch of questions. From Grey Devil 13. Actually, we have another one from Levi P. Tompkins before we switch over. Uh, why do you think so few of the characters created in the last 15 years get much play in Marvel events and merchandise? So Levi P. Tompkins wants to see more of the, the recent characters get whatever kind of merchandise and, and play big roles in the larger stories. And, I mean, part of that's true but they, that they don't, but you look at Hope. She is a, a character created in the last few years she is going to play a a role in avx um we actually just released a t-shirt through mighty fine tees that is a hope t-shirt there are opportunities there and it's really it's it depends on the characters it depends on the uh, what fits the different roles whether it's a comic or it fits a a t-shirt or an action figure stuff like that you know while while i love all these different characters not everybody's going to know about them and if if it's a, a merchandise aspect it has to be able to sell. Enough people have to recognize the character. There's so many great Spider-Man products out there because he's Spider-Man. Everybody knows Spider-Man, and you know there's always new people who want to get new Spidey stuff. That same goes for the X-Men and you know uh, Avengers stuff. So it's not out of the question to see more stuff from the more recent characters, um, but they they do need to get more established. They need to have a bigger place and they they will it's just not uh it's not going to be like just throwing them out there Uh, it it sort of builds up like you look at the runaways they they existed and they showed up in secret invasion they showed up in you know other crossover books and they find their way more and more into the the larger marvel universe so you'll see that it's just it's not it's not happening all the time and there are also there are certain merchandising lines where um, you do see a lot of those new characters because you see like full runs of characters. Like, look at the Mini Mates, look yeah. at the uh, Superhero Squad, where we just had Ultimate Comics Spider Man. Um, you know, there are a lot of opportunities, or, or even the Marvel Legends, the toy line. Um, I know they're releasing new stuff all the time, or maybe old characters with, with new looks. Look at Flash Thompson Venom, he's getting big. Look at Winter Soldier, 
who is Bucky, but you know, there's there's something out there. You just sometimes you gotta look. You got you gotta be patient. But I would recommend stuff like Mini Mates, which is really comprehensive. So yeah. you you can always find some of those characters. Totes Magoats. All right. So up next, we go to a bunch of questions by from Gray Devil Thirteen. The first one is: Was the Point One Nova Core story a prelude to AVX, Phoenix, and all that? And he, he asked about Galactus coming in to get involved with that. But uh, Ben, you want to talk about that a little bit? The uh, Nova story in Point One by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis was absolutely an AVX prelude. Um, it saw Nova, who this Nova is. Is it Rich Rider? Is it somebody else? We can't say that yet. But he got in a little fight with Terax, trying to get Terax to evacuate his planet, um, and then sped off before the Phoenix Force came and wiped out Terax's planet. Um, we've said publicly that is definitely a prelude to AVX. And not only that, but this Nova will appear in AVX. Um, when AVX starts rolling out later this year, you will see Nova and some of the cosmic characters play a role. As far as Galactus, um, Galactus has recently appeared in Mighty Thor, recently appeared in Fantastic Four 600. Uh, if you read Fantastic Four 600, you got a taste of some of the things Galactus is getting ready for. It's not impossible. Galactus could show up in AVX, but I think... Again, if you read Fantastic Four 600, you'll see Galactus has some more pressing concerns left to deal with first. Great Devil 13 also wants to know, will AVX have a body count? Um, will you know? Will it change the status quo, change the face of the Marvel Universe? There's definite potential. I think, I think Nick Lowe alluded to that, yes, there will be some... The, it happens in, in these big wars. There are fatalities, there are injuries, there are um, people who get hurt and changed through the course of these things. And you will see, I mean, AVX is a, is a huge deal. It's the biggest deal for us um, in, in comics in 2012. So there will be changes. And I think that's important for the characters and for the universe that things have to change. It, the, you know, you look at the end of, of Siege or Fear Itself and the characters who came in one way, they left a different way. Eventually they could come back around to a certain point, but you have to. There has to see some progression, some change, some difference, some consequences to these big events. So yeah, you will see stuff, but I, obviously we're not going to allude to that now, and we'll get more into that in the coming months, and, and you'll see a lot of that stuff happen. One thing we can actually say is uh, that Avengers: The Children's Crusade is another prelude to AVX, and um, issue number eight is coming out in the next couple of weeks. And people have been paying attention know that in this series, before it's over. There will be a casualty. Um, so in some ways, the first casualty of AVX can be seen coming up in Avengers, the Children's Crusade. And I don't think... I, I've read the issue. I don't think you're going to see this coming, but it's going to have major impact on a number of characters and on AVX. So be sure, if you're not already, great series, read Avengers, the Children's Crusade, and see the first person to fall uh, in the AVX story. From Grey Devil 13, how many Avengers will even be left after Cable gets through with them. And that's talking about Avengers X Sanction. If it's up to Cable, none of them will be left. That's his mission. That's his goal. He has to eliminate the Avengers. What will happen? You will see. Uh, Obviously, there will be some left because we have to get to AVX, and um, X Sanction plays a role in that. But uh, if you read the first issue, there's, uh, there's definitely at least one Avenger who goes down hard by Cable. So... Um, expect to see more crazy action in that series. Next up from Ralm89, uh, what's Rachel Gray's role as a former Phoenix host in AVX? Ben? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, certainly Rachel Gray is resurgent right now in Wolverine the X-Men. 
So it's pretty safe that she will be involved in ABX. Um, she is someone who has been host to the Phoenix. She's actually been one of the more recent Phoenix hosts. So I would assume she'll have quite the reaction to the Phoenix returning. Actually, Rachel has yet, I think, on panel to meet Hope. Cable was her, was her brother of sorts. Uh, they're from different universes, but they bond. And this is a girl raised by Cable. So there is kind of a familial connection there. So I'd be interested to see what happens when Rachel Gray uh, meets up with Hope and potentially encounters the Phoenix. So good question. I'm, I'm looking forward to the answer. Yeah. That's such a wonderfully dysfunctional family. Wonderful. Uh, question from Ms. Marvel Girl. If you could replace Shocker in Villains for Hire with a squinkified Tom Brevoort or Joe Kubert, which would you choose? This is a question that only someone who listens to the show every week would have any idea what we're talking about. I'm not even going to go into all the details. It's kind of ridiculous and thank you miss marvel girl for for being such a hardcore fan and obviously we would choose squinkify tom Brevoort because he's pretty much the scariest villain possible although on twitter i saw miss marvel girl throw this question out and tom Brevoort said joe kubert <laughs> so well, there's that I, Strami, I, you replace shocker I, you know, uh, I've thought long and hard about this question, and I see that the only sensible answer is is that I reject her premise that we need to replace the shocker. So I, I just, I would choose neither. John, do you have an opinion here? Um, I'd probably go with Mr. Brevoort, I guess. Um, Does he make you call him that? No, but I feel that. Uh, I should show a little respect. All right, we're going to keep going. Uh, this one comes in from uh, Whitcuffskim says, can you give me some kind of a hint of what is going to happen to Thor? Um, so I believe that's uh, in reference to what's going on in the Mighty Thor series right now. Uh, if you're reading it, if you're caught up with it, and you know the events of Fear Itself, you know that Thor died. But if you're reading the Mighty Thor, you know that there's more to it. I, we, I don't really want us to give you hints as to what's going to happen, but... There is more to the story, um, more to Tanneris, more to Thor's fate, Thor's um, journey, and, and what's going to happen there. It's got quite a journey ahead of him, a, uh, a journey into mystery, if you will. I see what you did there. And I uh, it's also worth noting that in all the, if you watch the AVX event, uh, we briefly showed a lot of clips of different art of Avengers fighting X-Men. I'm pretty sure... We didn't show Thor fighting anybody. So take that as you will. Crazy. What what does that mean? Question from Big Steve. Too dope. When AVX starts up, whose side will you be on? Who do you think has the upper hand? You know, it's funny. I have the first four scripts for AVX uh, in my inbox, and I haven't had a chance to read them this week. Um, So I need to, you know, check those out. But we already know how the story ends. It's hard for us to say um, whose sides will be on and who, who do we think has the upper hand. But if I had to separate myself from all that, I would just pr- I would probably go with the X-Men just as a longer-term X-Men fan, as someone who was into the X-Men more than the Avengers back when he was a kid. Uh, he, I'm talking about me. Why was I starting to talk about myself in the third person? It's super weird, you guys. Super weird. You know, it happens, man. But yeah, yeah I, I, similarly to you, have the scripts in my... Inbox and have yet to read them. I did read the AVX number zero script, which was very cool. But I'm I'm similar where I was a big X-Men fan as a kid. I still am, but I got into the Avengers a little later in life. Really enjoyed uh, some of the classic 
late 90s Avengers stuff by Kurt Busiek and George Perez. So my loyalties are really, really divided here. I think my heart, my heart says X-Men, my head says Avengers, and I tend to go with my heart. So I'll probably be rooting for the X-Men in this. You're like Rocky. Exactly like Rocky. Yeah. Right up to when I fought that big Russian dude. Shami, how about you? What's that shocker on? I always choose the Mets over the Yankees and the X-Men over the Avengers. Go away. I thought he was going to pick, like, the Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> Jaunty? I'm going to have to go with X-Men. Um, I've been an X-Men fan longer than I have been an Avengers fan, and I always root. See, I always find myself rooting for the X-Men, no matter uh, if it's going to be Wolverine's side or, you know, involved with Cyclops with the recent split. But I, I have to go with X-Men. There you go. Clean sweep. Clean sweep of X-Men on this week in Marvel. And final question from AmazingJR87. How big of a role will Spider-Man have in AVX? Spidey is a member of the Avengers, which means he will have a big role in the series. He's he's front and center with the team. He's is he on both is he on both Avengers teams right now? He actually just in the most it it was kind of ambiguous uh, in the last couple of Avengers issues where they were redoing the lineup. And they had the whole unveiling ceremony that Spidey and Wolverine did not go out on the stage. And they were kind of making jokes about the fact that now that they're Spider-Woman and Storm on the team, the Avengers don't need them anymore. But uh, they have not shown up in the last couple of Avengers issues. So I think, I could be mistaken, but I think Spider-Man and Wolverine are uh, exclusive property to the new Avengers at the moment. But of course, you know, they all they all live in the mansion currently and they're all under the same roof, so... That, that could change. This brings up a good point that someone asked in the Amazing Spider-Man live blog we had earlier this week about AVX tie-ins and whether, you know, say Spider-Man is an Avenger, so is Amazing Spider-Man going to tie into AVX? The answer is um, AVX is going to be primarily contained to the main AVX series as well as the X-Men and Avengers books, and not even all of those books. Um, for instance, Astonishing X-Men will not tie into AVX, but looks like Amazing Spider-Man are going to have their own thing going on. Uh, it's designed so people can really enjoy AVX without necessarily having uh, a book you might read on the side, like Amazing Spider-Man Disrupted. Uh, you don't have to search long and hard to get it. It's, it's going to be all in one series and a couple of tie-ins. It's going to be very localized. And, you know, if you if you're, uh, want something in addition to AVX, you got Amazing Spider-Man Ends of the Earth. You have other stuff going on. So uh, Spider-Man will be involved in AVX, obviously. He is an Avenger but his solo book will not be. Man, fantastic. Uh, before we go out, and I know this is running super long, it's because we, we had so many people on this week, but we wanted to have John Tancredi, our crack intern, who's worked real hard for us this semester. Um, Toshi's also done a lot of work. Uh, we thank him for his service. But John has been here three days a week. He's been doing a lot of work. And I just wanted to have John speak a little bit about what he's done as an intern to sort of give some insight into being uh, an intern for Marvel Digital Editorial. So if anybody out there is curious about you know the internships here, you get a little bit of insight. And John, take it away. Um, well, working in the digital editorial department has been just awesome. Everybody that I've got to, that the pleasure of working with this semester has just been awesome. A lot of the work is pretty much uh, what you see on the website in the news section involved with the digital comics. So anytime you see 
the digital comics being uploaded every week onto the Marvel website. As an intern, we'll prepare that those, you know, those comics for everybody. We'll prep a lot of the stories that you see. So anytime news breaks, you'll see the stories that are being uploaded onto the site. Where everything in our in the department has been this semester has been a lot of hands-on stuff, which I'm I'm very thankful for. We're interning in this department because I've actually got to got to be able to be a part of a lot of projects like you know being on this show right now and being able to attend comic-con and help out at the uh at comic-con this year and it's been a great great experience definitely if you are a college student and you're in a communications major or you know you an english major or something definitely apply ryan and ben have been awesome this whole semester so they're definitely a pleasure to work with and you also get to work with a lot of different people too like the video department, the guys who film a lot of our our clips and everything, and also our our social media coordinator Jana. So she's been great too. So just to shout everybody out quick, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great semester, and I definitely suggest anyone who's a college student looking for credits, do an internship. Definitely apply at any aspect of Marvel. It was, you know, because it, it was just a great experience. We couldn't have done we couldn't have done this podcast without a uh, without Jaunty. He was pretty instrumental in getting the whole thing set up set up and we're gonna have to muddle on without him, but he, he got the framework in place. Mark, you wanted to add something? Yeah, to add on to what John was saying, I am also a pleasure to work with. <laughs> I was uh, I was gonna I was gonna say how, you know, Mark started as an intern uh and so you know if, if you start as an intern you could be the next strami and i'm actually hoping that john will be the next strami and by that i mean replace strami <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I think strami. you know what that's that's probably a good place to end this uh seventh <laughs> episode of this week in marvel we thank everyone for listening uh make sure you tweet us your questions comments concerns all that fun stuff. Use the hashtag this week in Marvel. Um, you can always reach out to me. I'm agent underscore M. Ben is Ben J Morse. Stromy is S T R O M M Y. Um, John is what are you J Ten Credit X? Yep. Yep. Um, and always, you know, I I have the Marvel. Uh, anyone who tweets to Marvel, I see that all day long as well. So. Send anything you got to us, and um, you know, hopefully, we can address it on the show. And we thank you so much for wa- for listening. And uh, this is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>